calling, love, experience, joy, joy faith, passion, experience, freedom. It's, it's time, time to, to take, take the, the jump and, and go, go all in. in. It's time to go all in and discover your purpose. It's time to go all in and follow the call God has placed upon your life. It's time to go all in on the amazing things that God is doing right here and right now. It's time to go all in and invite others to join and experience God and His undying love. So, so what's, what's stopping, stopping you? Go all in. Good morning, church. It's great to be here today, and we are, I think, on part three, I think. We're continuing, anyway, our summer message series, which is called... All In. All In. And that phrase really has two components to it. it. First of all, it is a challenge to you as an individual. Are you just putting your tippy toe in the waters of faith? And are you just kind of getting a splash of blessing on Sunday when you come to church? Or are you deciding when it comes to your church, your involvement in church, and when it comes to your faith and your relationship with God, that you're going to dive all in, that you're going all the way, that you know that you only get out of something what you put into it, that whatever you sow, you shall reap, and you want to enjoy the full blessings of walking a life of faith with God, so you ain't holding anything back, you're going all in. Can I hear an amen to that one? Right. That's you as an individual. But then also, we need us all to be in and to be involved with what God is doing. And I mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago when we started this message series that in most churches, and in fact most voluntary organizations actually, there is a rule called the 80-20 rule, and it goes like this. About 20% of the people do 80% of the volunteering, give 80% of the money, and invite 80% of the new people to come. Which means that 80% of the people ain't doing an awful lot. In other words, in most organizations and in most churches, about 20% of the people are all in. And 80% are kind of a little bit in and a little bit out. But they're not all in. Can you imagine the impact that a church or Christian community could make on its city, its town, its location, if we were all in? Could you imagine that? It would be phenomenal. And the reason that over the summer we are doing this message series called All In is because on the 15th of September, once the kids are back at school, and once the rain has stopped, and the snow is going to come soon, <laughs> hopefully not. Um, no, I rebuke that in the name of the Lord. <laughs> the heavens will part and the sun will shine from today 
onwards. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Right, okay. So on the 15th of September, we, are, we have our fall kickoff, our big kickoff party event that we always have every fall. But on that Sunday, we will begin going to two services every Sunday morning after that here at Gateway, 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. will be our two services. We begin it on that day. I also want to remind you what I said the first week we started this. I, we are doing this during the summer. I can see some empty seats. You might think we don't need to go to two services, but that's because people are away on vacation and it's a summer slump. But we will need to do it then and we will be doing it then. But in order to do it then, we can't just, it can't just be a handful of staff members. We need us all to be in and to be involved with the new steps that we are taking to accomplish the vision that God gave us that we are calling the 2020 vision. Now, sometimes people in a church want to be involved and want to be all in, but they think that their particular personality type um, or their particular uh, areas of gifting or skills are not really important in some way. They think that it's only extroverts that kind of get involved in volunteering for things. And when they think of volunteering, they think of people doing things publicly, you know, and very often people don't realize how many opportunities to get involved in a church there actually is. And listen, God has given everyone different gifts. After he distributed different gifts and different talents and different strengths and different abilities to different people, he didn't then say to himself, now when it comes to the church, I'm only going to use six of these talents and gifts. All the rest of you can just sit there every Sunday like a bump on a log doing nothing. I know I've gifted you in certain ways, but it's not the important. You can't heal anybody or preach or play the banjo, so you just sit there, you know? That's not what it's like. God has gifted everyone in different ways and he wants everyone to fully use and express their God-given gifts and talents. And many of those God-given gifts and talents we don't regard as spectacular or miraculous or unusual and yet they are still God-given gifts. Uh, today I want to talk about a gift that is often neglected. It is the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality. And maybe you have never thought of hospitality as being a gift. But I want us to just go to a, a passage of scripture. It's in First uh, Peter. First Peter uh, chapter 4. And it says this, be hospitable one to another without grumbling. I think that's a funny bit, you know. Can you, can you imagine trying to be hospitable while you grumble? It would be counterproductive. Well, here's your coffee, you know. Um, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. By the way, this is one of these famous 
one another passages in the Bible. There are lots of one another passages in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say, get your pastor to pray for you. It says, pray for one another. The Bible doesn't say, get your pastor to encourage you. It says, encourage one another. We like to kind of outsource our responsibilities to pastors and missionaries and evangelists and people like that. No, you don't outsource your gifts and responsibilities to them. We are, we are a community and we are supposed to be a blessing to one another. So, um, so be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Why? For each one of you have received a gift. So use it. If you have received a gift, it says, so use it. Use it in what way? To serve one another. We have to serve one another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. So he, he says, be hospitable. Because we've all received a gift that we can serve people with. Being hospitable is one of those gifts. Some people are public speakers. Whoever speaks, let it be as one speaking the utterances of God. In other words, if you're a public speaker, take your responsibility serious. Pray, study, prepare, wait before God so that you're doing it well. And then he says, whoever serves, let it be with the strength that God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified. So he mentions three gifts there. He mentions people who speak, public speakers, people who serve, but he also mentions people who are hospitable. And hospitality, some people are gifted at hospitality in a way that other people are not. I mean, I'm sure you have gone into, you will especially notice this if you are not gifted in the area of hospitality. You'll go into somebody's house and it's like, you're like, I could never have guests round. I could never do what these people do. They do it so effortlessly. I spend three days tidying the house before anyone comes round, you know. And these people just sail through hospitality. Uh, every time you look at them, they've got another plate of cakes and buns and, and they're making everybody feel welcome. They are naturally gifted at that area and it is a God-given gift. I want to tell you a little story uh, about the lack of hospitality in churches. Um, I once uh, was in Paris with two other guys, my brother and another guy that came from our church. Actually, it's a long story, we were actually in Nigeria, but got deported and ended up in Paris. We didn't do anything wrong, we got deported for our, our own safety, and we got, the only plane leaving was going to Paris, so they sent us to Paris. So we arrived in Paris and we had two weeks just to, to find out what the Lord wanted us to do. And so I remember we were in a particular area of Paris, and I said, I remember many years ago visiting a church here. It met in an old movie cinema that they had bought over, and it was in this area. And sure enough, we found it. I had been there a number of years earlier, and that church... It had about 300 people in it. It was alive. It had a great preacher. I mean, everything was great. But this was quite a number of years later. And so we found it, and we looked at what time the services were, 
and we arrived at the next service. We arrived at the service, and I don't know what had happened in that church in the preceding years, but there was like 30 people in this movie theater. And the atmosphere was depressive. And the worship team was one person, I mean, I'm not mocking it, I'm just saying it was bad. The the worship team was one person with a microphone and a man with an oboe. Now, I'm sure an oboe is a wonderful musical instrument. But as the soul, and we're trying to sing along to this, I mean, it was pretty bad. On top of that, I don't speak French. I mean, it was really bad. Anyway, so we went in and we sat in this row, and then these two old ladies arrived, dressed up with all the Pentecostal hat and the whole thing on, you know. And they came in, remember a 300-seat movie theater with about 30 people in it, And they asked us to move because we were sitting in their seat. We were quite clearly the only visitors in the church. That was the only time anybody even spoke to us or acknowledged we were there. We even hung about kind of awkwardly at the end of the service. And nobody spoke to us. And that... I don't know what the connection is, but if that church had been like that for a few years, that might explain the decline in the attendance. Can you imagine being the first time visitor in a church and being made to feel unwelcome? If I was a pastor of that church, I would be desperately praying that God would bring people with the gift of hospitality. Because people need to be made to feel welcome. Now, that word hospitality that we've already looked at, in the Bible, in the New Testament, the original Greek word that is used is very hard to translate into English in one word. Um, We tend to think of hospitality as having somebody around at your house for supper or something like that. And that would include that, but the actual Greek word implies a whole lot more. Let's put up the the definition, hospitality. The Greek word, if you are going to literally translate it, it means the love of strangers. Well, that church I told you about, we were the only three strangers. And we got no love. Hospitality is the love of strangers. And also implied in the word are things like to entertain people, to show generosity to people, to feel welcomed into a gathering, or to host an event. I've done quite a lot of research into this Greek word of hospitality, and all of the Bible verses that talk about it, and I've managed to get a one-sentence definition that I think kind of covers all the bases here. So let's look at it. Put up the next slide, please. The gift of hospitality is the God-given ability, because it is a gift, it is the God-given ability to gladly and generously host a gathering, ensuring that strangers and newcomers feel welcome 
and entertained. To make people feel at ease, to make them feel relaxed, to make them feel wanted and accepted just the way they are. Didn't God accept you just the way you you were when your life was a total disaster area? Didn't he just accept you just the way you are? And aren't we to show the love of God to other people? So the gift of hospitality is the God-given ability to gladly, if you have this gift, it's not something you use, oh, I've got to show hospitality, I'm not good at it. One of the, one of the ways that you can identify which gifts you have is this. Does something energize you when you're doing it or does it drain you of energy? When you're doing something, do you enjoy it? Do you come alive? Could you do it all day? Does it feel like time has stopped still and you think, oh my goodness, is that the time? I had no idea. Or on the other hand, is it a drag? Is it a drudge? Does three minutes feel like an hour when you're doing it? then maybe you're not gifted in that area. So one of the ways to identify how you're gifted is does it make you come alive? Now, that is not the only way. I mean, maybe you come alive when you sing. And you sing all the time. And you could sing all day. And it feels like time stands still. But nobody else around you thinks it's a gift. Okay? So there, there are other You know, it has to have a good effect on other people as well to be a gift. But one of the ways is, do you do something gladly? Do you enjoy it? It is the God-given ability to gladly and generously host a gathering, ensuring that strangers and newcomers feel welcome and entertained. And so that is the gift of hospitality. I want to just look at a few verses in the Bible that it, uh, it mentions hospitality. So let's just go through these and have a look at them. Um, there's all the scripture references down the bottom there. If you want to take a photo or whatever or check it out later. But I'm just going to read through it. It says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Even if you're gifted at something, it gets better with practice. And so this is something you can practice. Then it mentions Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church enjoy. So you can show hospitality to an individual, or you can host a large gathering of people, the whole church, and that is also a use of the gift of hospitality. How about this one? Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Do you notice it specifically mentions strangers? Because by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. That person that you came across, that you were kind to, that you didn't need to, that you were, in, you were busy, you were in a hurry, they were a stranger. You don't know. One day you, your eyes might be open to what really happened. Look at this. A church leader must be without fault. He must be faithful to his wife. He must be sober, self-controlled, and orderly. He must be hospitable and welcome. Who does he welcome? 
And I'll tell you, some people are strange. I mean, if we start in welcoming strangers, there's going to be some strange people amongst us. And sometimes church folks get all uptight about that. But honestly, I have learned I would rather hang about with the strange people than with the church people sometimes. Because at least they don't judge you. At least they know that they need God. At least they know they need help. At least they're not self-righteous. At least they don't think they've got all their act together. God is not in the business of gathering a group of people who think they're perfect. God is in the business of gathering a broken group of people and healing them and making them whole and putting them back together and making their lives what it always should have been. God is in the business of bringing in strangers. Be hospitable and welcome strangers. He must be able to teach. So being able to host an event where strangers feel welcome is part of the gift of hospitality. Look at this one. When the crowds heard about it, they followed Jesus. It says in their English Bible, he welcomed them. But in Greek, it's the same word. He showed hospitality to them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were in need. Now, here is the thing about hospitality. We read these verses and they, they, they do and should challenge all of us. But then we say, so is hospitality really a gift or is it a duty that we should all do? Well, first of all, I really encourage you to eliminate the concept of duty from your faith and your relationship with God. You know, it's, I mean, honest, we'll get kids in the room, I won't go there. Okay, right. Um, I mean, um, when a bride and groom on their honeymoon night they don't say, oh, we've got this evening duty to get through ahead of us. <laughs> they are in love with each other. They can't wait to get alone together. And your relationship with God should be one that you know he loves you and forgives you and accepts you. And we love because he first loved us. And like prayer and worship and your faith and your relationship with God should never be a chore or a duty, okay? But is it a gift or a duty? Let me just tell you a few things. First of all, there are lots of things we could do in life. We should all pray. I mean, we should all pray. Prayer is good. And not only should we all pray, we should all want to pray. But there are some people who are like especially gifted. They're like prayer warriors. They pray for everyone and everything. It's like the fuel in their tank. We, we could all prophesy. We could all hear a word from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, a word of encouragement to share with somebody else. But we're not all prophets, okay? And we should all be hospitable to the best of our ability, but for some people, they are especially gifted in that area. It just seems to come naturally to them. They're wired that way. 
Earlier on in the service, when all these children were up here during the child dedication, Pastor Drake said something. He said, we believe that God has wired all of these children in a certain way and that they are all gifted in some unique way. And our prayer is that as they grow and develop, their true God-given gifts will begin to come out and shine. Some people are naturally, or maybe we should say supernaturally, gifted in the area of hospitality. And I want to just tell you a little story about this. A few years ago, um, Drake and I got invited by a Bible college in Saskatchewan to, to go there and do a two-week training course with their students. So I went for the first week, you know, stayed in the college and all of that kind of thing. And, um, and then I left and Drake arrived and did the second week. And they had asked us to do a two-week course on evangelism and discipleship. And so when I arrived for the first week, I, one of the things I talked about was the different ways that people were gifted and how you could use these gifts in the areas of evangelism and discipleship. For example, if somebody was gifted with the gifts of healing and they, were, and they had a next door neighbor who was not a believer but who was sick and they offered to pray for them and they said yes and they prayed for them and laid hands on them and the person was healed, wouldn't that be an open door to say, hey, let me tell you about the God who healed you or come to my church next week and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That gift could be used for evangelism. Now, there was one girl in this class who I could tell was really struggling with the class and with what I was sharing. She also seemed to be very quiet. She was an introvert personality-wise. I think like she came from a small rural community with one little church, Mennonite church or something. I can't remember all the details. But, and so this, like her coming to the college was out in the big world, right? Even though it was in Saskatchewan. In the, I mean, like, in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, and... Um, so she was really struggling, and eventually she worked up the courage to ask a question. I can't remember if she asked it publicly or came to me, but she said, I, I, I can't do this. I, I, I couldn't do that. I, there, there must be something wrong with me. I couldn't share my faith with people. I couldn't do a Bible study or disciple somebody. Um, I don't have these gifts you're talking about. So I spoke to her, and I said, well, what do you like doing? And I can't remember all the details. I'm going to make it sound more cheesy than it actually was. It wasn't like this, but it was kind of like, I like baking cakes, and I like cooking, and I like having people around at the house, and I'm not really much of a conversationalist. I always busy myself, but afterwards I feel like I've enjoyed it, that I've contributed. I mean, I wasn't doing the talking. Everybody else talks to one another, but I feel like I made that happen. I said to her, you have the gift of hospitality. And she said, yeah, that's good for Christian fellowship, but it's no good for evangelism or discipleship. I said, no, it's great for it. It's perfect for it. 
Can you imagine, I said, if somebody who was not yet a believer came to a church that you were attending and nobody was hospitable to them and nobody made them feel welcomed and nobody organized anything to make them kind of hang about for an extra 20 minutes and meet people and get to know them? The person would leave, like me at the church in Paris, you would leave and never go back. But your gift, I said to her, is vitally important for making people feel at ease, making them feel welcomed, and making them feel wanted and accepted just the way they are. And when people feel like that, they have a more open mind and open heart to things that are happening and what is being said. And so after that, in the next class, I changed direction and we talked a bit about the gift of hospitality. Now, they were all to write a paper for the following week, but then I had left and come back to Gateway and Drake had gone there. And when he came back the next week, he said this girl had written a paper on the gift of hospitality and how it is such an important blessing to the church and how it can be used to help people come to faith in Christ and grow in their relationship with God. And she, she had gone from feeling insecure and unimportant to actually being excited about being part of church and feeling like God really had gifted her and that her gift was just as important as everyone else's. And it totally changed her perception of her faith and of the Christian life. You know, showing hospitality means we welcome strangers. And like I mentioned, some strangers are stranger than others. And um, the Bible says that we shouldn't judge people and we should accept people. I want us to look at this verse in the book of James. And here's what James says. James says, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another person comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? You know, this is saying that hospitality doesn't pick and choose. It welcomes everybody. It, oh, we want the rich people, but not the poor people. It doesn't say that. Hey, I've been to churches that they would actually say the opposite. We want to work with the poor people, not those snooty rich people. Rich people need Jesus as much as poor people. Everybody needs Jesus. But maybe it's not rich and poor. Who is it? If God sent lots of strangers to this church and he's going to do it because I'm asking him to do it and he said anything you ask shall be given so it's going to happen. If God sent lots of strangers to this church, would you discriminate against some of them? Maybe it won't be rich and poor. Maybe it might be gay and straight. Or civilized and functional versus addicted and dysfunctional. Or whatever it may be. 
Maybe, maybe there is one group of society that you have a problem with. Do you know that God loves those people exactly as much as he loves you? And so we need to show hospitality by welcoming everyone. See, but some of these people have lifestyles that, that the Bible says is wrong. Yeah, so let's just take them out the back and throw big bricks at them. But is that what we'll do? Or will we thank God that we're no longer in the Old Testament, we're now in the New Testament, and Jesus would actually leave this flock and go out this door to go and find the one lost sheep and bring them back again? Because to Jesus, every individual, no matter how far away they've strayed, they are important and they are welcome in the house of God. And we need to welcome them into the house of God. And hey, people, the church is like a greenhouse. I know I say this often, but the church is like a greenhouse. You might have a a potted plant over here or a plant outside in your garden and it has been attacked by minus 30 degrees Celsius frost in the winter. And then the summer finally came and drowned it with rain. And the plant has got diseases and its leaves are falling off and it looks unhealthy. And you bring that plant indoors into the greenhouse. And all of these other plants are blooming with flowers and producing fruit. And here's this ugly, dorky, strange plant in there. You leave that plant in the greenhouse long enough where the lighting is perfect, the temperature is perfect, the humidity is perfect, the nutrients are perfect, over time, that plant will change. It will begin to grow. It will begin to flourish. It will begin to blossom. It will begin to bear fruit. And if we can bring, let God bring strangers, and if we will welcome strangers, and if we will show hospitality to strangers, they might even look strange, but you put them in the greenhouse of God's church where the Holy Spirit is present, where the atmosphere is charged with prayer, where people are worshipping God where the word of the Lord is going forth, where hospitality and love and fellowship is taking place, that person over time will change. God will work in their life. He will supply them with all the nutrients they need and give it a year and come back and look at that person and they won't even look like the same person. Let's face it, before you became a Christian, you were a total weirdo. You came to the church, people stood back from you and look at you now. God has saved you. God has changed you. God has healed you. God has delivered you. He's gifted you. Let's give other people the opportunity to experience that same love of God. Can you say amen, church? Right. How can hospitality be used? What are the ways that it can be used in the church? Well, there's a number of ways. I mean, it can be used formally or informally. I mean, you could hang out in Starbucks with somebody and show them hospitality. That's informal. But there's also formal ways. For instance, socializing in homes is basic hospitality. That's what we all tend to understand the word means. Or hosting a group in your home. 
You know, there's some people who say, I would like one of our Bible study groups in my home, but I couldn't lead it. I'm not a Bible teacher. But there's somebody else who's saying, I love teaching the Bible and getting a curriculum together, but like, I, I, I don't have time. I work and I, I come straight home from work and I don't have time to tidy my house and I've got dog hairs all over the place. And Look, here's somebody with a gift of teaching. Here's somebody with a gift of hospitality. They open their home. They come and teach the Bible study in their home. Do you see how all the gifts work together? Or maybe it's leading a seminar or group or team here at the church. You know, when we run our Alpha course here at the church, One of the important parts of Alpha is the socializing aspect and the hospitality aspect. And you know, there's one woman in our church, Rona Lee, who is like, without any doubt, has the gift of hospitality. And when, yeah, let's say thanks to her. She's probably somewhere being hospitable right now. And... um, uh, and she gets people together. When I leave the office on the evenings at the Alpha team, I see them setting everything up and making everything perfect so that when the people arrive, it's not like they've just strolled into some half-baked, unimportant, you know, amateur hour, but they've arrived at something where people have thought through, we want people to feel welcomed and included and wanted and accepted. That's another way. You know, leading a service or event with excellence, when we organize our services, we do so in a way, I mean, one of the reasons we even dim the lights is to make strangers feel welcome. If, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if if this, before I was a Christian, I remember going to churches and all the lights were on and everybody's waving their hands and dancing and crying and I could see it all. And like, it was so embarrassing because I wasn't a Christian and these people were getting emotional about something that I couldn't see. Like, is he in the room just now, you know? And then, I, and then they would say, Turn to Ezekiel chapter 14. Where's that? I mean, where is that? And everybody seemed to just go, boom, boom, and they've got it. I mean, I found it by the time the sermon was over, you know? And then when I became a Christian and I wanted to start lifting my hands, and, but all the lights were on. And you know that way where you're just, con- I mean, everybody's got their eyes closed and they're singing to God, but you're convinced that everybody's looking right at you, you know? And so you, you, you lift a little hand, you know. And I remember thinking to myself, do you know what would make me feel more comfortable? If the lights were dimmed and the Bible verses were on the screen. Wouldn't that be hosting an event, giving special consideration to strangers and newcomers? So that's part of it. But the main part here at Gateway is the hospitality ministry that we have in the church. It is one of our main ministries, is our hospitality team here. And let me just tell you about that. That is led by an awesome member of staff, Michael, and she will be out in the office at the end of the service because she is hosting today, her and her team, a hospitality interest party. 
after the service. Now, our hospitality team, it involves our greeters on the door. It involves our ushers here in the auditorium. It involves the cafe people that served you your caramel macchiato this morning. It involves parking teams that we don't have every week, but we are going to need them every week when we go to two services. And also a special events team that set things up before events happen. And there's all kinds of things in the future that we will want as well, a security team and things like that. But at the moment, this is our, the main teams, these are the main teams in our hospitality ministry here in the church. And if you want to find out a little bit more, maybe you're interested in getting involved, or maybe you're just interested in knowing what happens. Right after the service, as you go out the doors, and if you look into the office area, the whole office has been gutted out. All the, everything in the office has been gutted out. And instead, it has been set up in advance, because it is a hospitality team, so they show hospitality. So they, they have set it up as a welcoming and informative environment where you can go after the service, hang out there, meet people. I'm not sure, they probably got snacks and drinks and things like that. But go there and meet with people and find out more about our hospitality ministry. And can I just say this? If you do get involved in some way in our hospitality ministry here at Gateway, it doesn't mean you're doing something every week, you know. You find out how often with some things it might be once a month or, or whatever. But they'll help you out with all the information at the, the interest party. And if, if you go there and if you get involved, in fact, if you get involved in anything in the church, you're going to find out this. See, when you get involved in something, you actually get a whole lot more out of it than you used to. Here is... I want to just finish this with the key verse that I know Michael uses a lot with our hospitality ministry, and it's this one. Put it up, please. It says, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You know, see, when you show friendliness to other people, all of a sudden you discover how many people are showing friendliness to you. You know, in a moment or two, the band are going to come back up and close us with a song, and then Pastor Drake is going to come up, and he is going to take up the offering to finish the service. But just before that, I want to finish this message today by showing you a short video clip. It's a video of someone who's part of our Gateway family, and how on her very first visit here, the thing that impacted her life was our hospitality ministry. So much so that she eventually got involved in the hospitality ministry to impact other people's lives as well. So let's watch this verse and then the worship team will come back up.